Hi, hello. Welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is March 26, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well with high hopes and, you know, good health. I don't know. We're trying to change it up a little bit, huh? Um, as for me, I'm doing pretty well. Had a great weekend. I feel like I can say that. Uh, let's see, what did I get into? Um... Saturday, I had a friend's birthday party. Actually, it was a it more or less was a combined birthday party, just kind of a bit delayed. But um, we had um, my one friend, Christina. Happy birthday, Christina. Uh, we had a birthday at her house. It was very fun. Uh, the family made, um, what was it like, beef short ribs, which are amazing. And also steak on a stick and um i think they got grilled up yeah it was so yummy it was so good uh also there was bomb macaroni salad and bomb macaroni and cheese so i was uh hog in heaven i, I had a really good time it's very merry um neil say fast forward my day didn't really start to like 12 o'clock today um but overall, it's seemingly a nice Sunday. I haven't really gone outside. I'm going to have to do some groceries. But um, yeah, you know, it's been a good day. It's been nice. It's been relaxed. I've been in bed. <laughs> um, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Oh, what else is there? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to go ahead and do a little uh, beer beverage review at the top. You know, since we're already in the food corner, why not? Um, I got to say, that, that hazy... Uh, juicy, whatever thing, the Voodoo Ranger one, oof, that was too much. It was much for muchness. Uh, and, and I, I usually wind up paying for that. Like, I think I do like when I go to, um, like pubs or where, wherever little breweries and they have those like little small pours of those kind of things where it's like, you know, just plus eight or nine, whatever. They get up to like 14 sometimes. Uh, when it comes to the beer, but mm, doing it in a can like that, it just didn't taste good. It, it was giving like four loco in a bad way. <laughs> but I got a new beer for me to try today. Uh, it's Jackie O's Chomo Laguma. I don't know. It's got a little Yeti monster guy, a Bigfoot man uh, with a flag. Looks like he's he's doing a little backpacking. I'm like, this is my speed. I like this. I think it's cute. It's got 8.5, right? I think it's what it says. No, it's 6.5. Okay, 6.5. I'm fine with that. That means it's probably going to taste good. It says it's got some brown ale with honey. And I'm like, I'm just looking for normal, normal taste right now. Good tasting, I should say. Um, not so much normal. Because if I can just get normal, I can just get any, like, PBR or whatever. Ooh, okay. I like this. I like this. It's like almost like a mead vibe, but um, lighter. So I'm 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 digging this. Okay. All right. All right. I'm. I'm ooh, that's good. Okay, I definitely would recommend that. All right, we can get into it though. Um, let's see from Rooters. Excuse me. Uh, tornado tears across Mississippi. More than two dozen dead. <clears throat> um, so, let's see. March 25th. 
Rooters, uh, rescuers combed through rubble on Saturday after a powerful storm tore across Mississippi late on Friday, killing at least 25 people there and one person in Alabama as it leveled hundreds of buildings and spawned at least one devastating tornado. Also, I believe, too, that uh, there's going to be, like, more severe weather slated for, like, today in, like, those southern areas, if I'm not mistaken. Um, obviously, it's it's really upsetting to hear this, like, high level of, like, loss of life. Um, obviously, you know, I try to cover the big ones that make the headlines, but even so, like, sometimes a lot slip through the cracks in terms of, like, earthquakes, other disasters, floods, things like that. But uh, I just just wanted to cover this a little bit. Um, let's see. In Rolling Fork, a town uh, around 1900 in western Mississippi that was hit the hardest, homes were reduced to rubble, tree trunks snapped like twigs, and cars were tossed aside like toys. The town's water tower lay twisted on the ground. Uh, some of these pictures were really intense. I mean, as always, when you see these kind of footage or, you know, these kind of situations, um, there's also, you know, some more stories that are, you know, also referenced in the article, if you would like to read them, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to cover, you know, at least one of those kind of going on throughout the weekend, uh, but like I said, there's definitely some others that took place this week that I probably am not going to get a chance to cover, but, um, yeah. Um, moving on to some other state news, though, from CNN, Utah governor signs bill requiring teens to get parental, uh, approval to join social media sites. So this was a development that I was kind of like, okay, like, uh, I, I want to say I was surprised about just because I remember last year, I think I was hearing about how like in China, they were limiting the hours that kids could be online and game and things of that nature. And that was like talked about. I think I listened to it uh, like with the BBC, uh, BBC Global News. So I was like listening to that. I'm like, OK, that's 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 pretty surprising. Um, it's definitely making the news rounds and the coverage. I wouldn't say I heard anything like super negative about it, but I, I would say me personally, I was surprised because that's one of those things where. As a, I think of myself as a kid, and if someone tried to restrict me, because my parents were pretty laissez-faire about it, like, they didn't know too much about video games, they weren't gamers, so, um, by the time I was in my, my, I want to say I was like, oh man, I was maybe six, five or six, I think I was five or six when I started playing a Sega Genesis, and I was just able to play games of whatever, <laughs> uh from there on out so you know throughout the ages throughout the consoles i was just playing and gaming whatever um and i kind of think that makes me a little biased in these kind of conversations and things because i don't have any kids i don't know like if i would want to restrict my kid like oh would i buy this game because it has mature content for my child or my you know young whatever like i don't know because i don't have a kid i don't think about that kind of shit for real but i know there's definitely parents out there who do um, but also just in terms of just bringing it back to like what the focus of this article is, um, let's see, let's get to it. 
the governor of Utah signed a controversial bill on Thursday that will require minors to obtain the consent of a guardian before joining uh, social media platforms, marking the most aggressive step yet by state or federal lawmakers to protect kids online. So, I mean, this is obviously a big thing, and I feel like also we have the whole thing about Twitter, or not Twitter, I'm sorry, TikTok potentially being banned. Also, I'm going to kind of shoehorn this in here before we get into the meat of this article. Um, But TikTok, they are potentially, more or less, the U.S. has said, hey, we are going to give you this ultimatum, more or less. We're going to ban TikTok unless the Chinese-owned um, like more or less ByteDance, I think, uh, but the Chinese ownership, like they have to sell off TikTok. If they do that, then okay. So essentially, I think it's like selling off the company, but um, I don't know if that's going to wind up happening because TikTok is just making so much money right now. Um, so it kind of remains to be seen also whether or not that can be actually enforced, like in terms of like, you know, TikTok suing or whatever. But I think uh, TikTok CEO was... Um, in front of Congress, they were grilling him, asking a lot of questions. I know I should have covered that, but it kind of got lost in the flurry for the week. And I've kind of touched on it before in a previous episode. So I was like, eh. anyway, so that, that happened. But anyway, we can get back to this. Sorry about it. As part of the bill called the Utah Social Media Regulation Act, social media Uh, platforms will have to conduct age verification for all Utah residents, ban all ads for minors, and impose curfew, making their sites off limits between the hours of 10.30 and 6.30 for anyone under the age of 18. The bill will also require social media platforms to give parents access to their teens' accounts. Um, so I feel like this is a big bill. Like, it's very interesting to see this, you know, come to pass. Um, I think there's definitely one half of this that's saying, like, hey, we're doing this to protect our kids. And, um, you know, this will hopefully lead to them not um, just delving into the, the rabbit hole that is social media platforms. I think something that really was a big push for this bill was uh, I think there was like uh, an increase of suicide rates, things of that nature. I think there was a couple of like big highlights that they talked about in like a video on the CNN um, article. If you wind up going and looking into this, but um, let's see. There's also a counterpoint though that says like, hey, like social media platforms provide an opportunity for youth to potentially um, not just express themselves, but get a window to see other, like, you know, points of view. Also to, you know, get better researched and better informed. You know, sometimes maybe not for the best because, you know, there's definitely, you know, a lot of misinformation that you can find on social media, of course. But there's also chances to find resources, like let's say you know you're part of the LGBTQ, um, you know situation. That's not the way to really word it. Sorry, but um, you know essentially you are, you know you're young and you you want to learn more, you want to see more, and being able to follow certain influencers and things of that nature can really open your eyes to things you maybe never knew about because you're living in a small town. Um, so the idea of like 
oh, maybe your parents aren't really into that and they don't like that. So essentially they like self-censor for their whole family and you can't even have access to this stuff. Um, so that's kind of a bit of a mess to me. I don't like that aspect when I'm, you know, looking at it from that perspective. Though I do get the idea saying like, hey, um, social media just is a flood of things. And I mean, if you log on to not just TikTok or, or Facebook or Twitter, like any one of these, like it says insert social media here, there's definitely a chance that you just go through a slippery slope and you see things that maybe you shouldn't see, you know, at a younger age. And also, I, I do think that giving the power to the parents or guardianship is something that is often talked about when it's like, hey, when it comes down to it, it should be up to the parents to teach your kids. It's not up to the internet or television or whatever to do it. So I kind of am definitely on the fence about how I feel about this kind of bill because I think it's definitely like a start. Um, also, I think places like Connecticut and here in Ohio are also pursuing kind of bills and things like that of that nature. So it's a bittersweet kind of thing for me. I don't know really how I feel, but it's part of why I like having this podcast and then talking about these things because it gives people the opportunity to say, hey, I do like this bill or hey, I don't like this kind of bill. Um, and here's why. So, um, yeah, I like, you know, bringing these kind of things up, at least giving some kind of coverage here. Uh, maybe not all time the best, but, um, you know, see how that goes. Also, I think another thing that it brings up too, is that there's holes, there's definitely going to be holes in how you enforce this kind of thing because the youth are usually smart. Um, there's a chance that you can use like VPNs to get around this. If you have another family members, um, identification or anyone else's kind of identification, you can potentially get around these little safeguards that are going to get put in place. So I'm also interested to see how this is going to be enforced, whether or not it's going to be effective or not. But uh, yeah, time will tell. Uh, Let's see. Also from CNN, uh, two additional deaths linked to bacteria and recalled eye drops, CDC says. Um, Now this one, I got to say trigger warning. It's definitely like a bit graphic in terms of... uh, Maybe the potential, I'm a bit squeamish even thinking about it, like having to say, talk about some of this stuff out loud, but essentially, um, okay, let me just get into it. A rare strain of bacteria found in recalled eye drops have been linked to dozens of infections as well as cases of vision loss and surgical removal of eyes this week. The U.S. Centers of Disease Control and Prevention reported two additional deaths, a total of three, have been linked to the bacterial infection. Oof, glad I haven't eaten yet. Um, Global Pharma Pharma Healthcare recalled its artificial tears lubricant eye drops that were distributed by EsriCare and Delsam Pharma Pharma last month, and the agency has been warning people not to use the drops. As of March 21st, the CDC has identified 68 people in 16 states with infections of a rare strain of drug-resistant Pseudomonas aeruginosa, never before reported in the United States. 
Bef uh, most of patients reported using artificial tears, the CDC said, and EsriCare artificial tears was the brand most commonly reported. Um, so I can't imagine the idea of you're using eye drops one day because you have some dry eyes or irritation, what have you, because these are something just, you know, me growing up and have lived my life. Sometimes you need a little bit of eye drops to clear out some dryness or red eye, what have you. And I just cannot imagine the idea that you are using this eye drop and then the next thing you know, instead of helping you, it starts hurting you or feels a little bit uncomfortable and you go to the doctor and they try to treat it. But the next thing you know, it just gets worse and worse and worse. And next thing you know, you're, you're not able to see and you, you have this blurred vision and there's this discoloration in, your, discoloration in your eye. There's so much going on. It's so disgusting. We're gonna, there's talks of discharge. Ugh, it's so gross. It's so gross. It makes me so uncomfortable. The eyes are so sacred. I don't know. Like any kind of thing that talks where you lose your eye is so crazy to me. Um, oof, ooh, uh, you know, I don't know, man. Um, obviously, that's why I talk about the articles and I highlight them because you can always get a chance to look at them. But um, there's a lot going on here. There's also pictures of the eye damage. Um, oh, my gosh. But then just the matter of like by when things are all said and done for some of the, the people and some of the better cases even, um, you can only see like 20 feet of what healthy people can see at 400 feet, um, more or less having like a vision of like 2,400. Uh, I just, it's so sad. It's so upsetting for essentially just something of like, hey, I'm just trying to clear out dryness in my eyes, you know, so, uh, but definitely like, what can you do? Uh, definitely don't buy the Ezra Care Artificial Tears uh, or the Delsom eye drops, at least until the investigation is over and done with, and they've come to some conclusions that things are good. Uh, also, um, just making sure that if you use eye drops, that you keep them in nice, clean conditions with the cap closed. Try to avoid any skin contact with the tip, and uh, make sure that they are um, not expired. Always just make sure that you keep them fresh. So that, you know, you have the best tip-top eye drops for yourself. Uh, that's all I can really advise to you there. Not that I am a doctor or a health expert. So, you know, do, do your own research and stuff like that. Really got to say that as a podcaster. <laughs> all right. Um, not that we're moving on to any good news. Kind of just rolling on here. Uh, from NPR, a Pennsylvania chocolate factory explosion has killed four people and three are missing. So this is definitely not a uh, Willy Wonka situation at all, uh, which is a very bummer. But an explosion at a chocolate factory in West Wet Reading, Pennsylvania, on Friday has killed four people and left three people missing. Uh, I wasn't um, able to find out the cause of the explosion. It looks like it's still under investigation. Um... But yeah, it definitely looks like it did massive damage to, obviously, the facility itself, the factory, and the surrounding area. 
I know that people are like advised to like, hey, take a look around, make sure that everything around you hasn't taken any damage, and if it has, you know, definitely report it. Um, so yeah, that's a bummer. Uh, so I think there's anything else here I want to glean or talk about here. Um, the company has made a seasonal chocolate novelty since 1948 and employs 850 people. Uh, at its West Reading headquarters, about 60 miles northwest of Philadelphia. Uh, R.M. Palmer has been a presence in the company for decades now. Uh, um, but yeah, so it's a bummer that you hear about something like this happening. Uh, hopefully the area recovers well, and um, if there's any updates there, I will definitely keep you posted. But uh, we have zigged and zagged, and we've made it to the end. But we have one more article to cover. This is where I like to take my classic little little break, since I've worked so hard. This uh, last article is from the Al Jazeera. I don't know why I said the Al Jazeera. Uh, it's just Al Jazeera. Whatever. Um, Hotel Rwanda hero Paul Rusabaginga. Oh my gosh. I went through the trouble of trying to pronounce this correctly. Rusabaginga? Rusabaginga. Uh, freed from prison. Uh, Rusabaginga was serving a 25-year sentence in Rwanda on terrorism charges but was freed on Friday, U.S. officials said. Um, I don't know if you have seen the movie Hotel Rwanda, uh, starring Don Cheadle. It is a very powerful and very moving movie about the situation that takes place um, in that area um, and how a man who is Paul Rusabagina, um winds up opening his hotel to you know take care of people who are in the middle of a I don't know what I would call it. I feel like you could say a genocide. And essentially, they're all holed up and sequestered in this hotel. And, um, you know, the focus is on this man and the choices he makes. And, you know, that all plays out. Um, That being said, fast forward now. um, Paul Rusabagina is a, like, you know, very known figure he has got a lot of like press and publicity and that being said i think it's put him at odds because he has said things uh against the president paul kagame and um you know spoken out against him his administration saying that they were involved um and i think it's definitely made him a political enemy or a target and essentially i think in 2020 he was boarding a plane in Dubai, thinking he was going to go to one place, and they wind up sending him to, um, uh, da, 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 da. I think where they sent him to, I think he wound up back into, back in Rwanda, in which they wanted to charge him for being a domestic terrorist, saying that he had said things, uh, against, like, the government, and, 
Uh, he was brought to, I think, Kigali. Yeah. Um, let's see. Rusa Begina was sentenced in 2021 to a 25-year prison term for being part of a group responsible for terrorist attacks. Charges he denied. He refused to participate in his trial, which he and his supporters called a sham. But um, he, yeah, he's supposed to be going to Burundi um, from his initial plane flight, but he was brought to Kigali instead. Um, um, but I think there was a lot of pushback from the U.S. Congress and also European Parliament. And, um, you know, because he was such a known figure that um, essentially all that could kind of wind up being done or at least all that was willing to be put up by um, Kagami was like, okay, I'm going to charge him. That's official thing that happened. He's been put in jail, um, but now we'll release him. So I think, what is it? Because that's like 2020. So it's been like, what, a couple years. So, you know, it's at least good that... <clears throat> he's being released now that's good to hear that's awesome but um definitely a shame that he had to go through this whole procedure it's also super crazy that you're gonna you're getting on a plane here you're going to one place and the next thing you know wham bam thank you ma'am um you're in rwanda and then you're about to get arrested like that's crazy and it's also something that has actually been you know it's reported in the article that like it's been admitted by you know, the administration at one point, like, yeah, we did pay for that, that plane fight to be, you know, sent here. So, um, that's definitely, you know, crazy situation, but, um, good that, um, he's made it through. Uh, let me go ahead and read a little bit more though. Rusa Begina became a global celebrity after the release of Hotel Rwanda, which depicted him risking his life to shelter hundreds of people as the manager of a luxury hotel in Kigali during the 1994 genocide when ethnic Hutus killed more than 800,000 people, mostly from the Tutsi minority. Uh, U.S. Don, U.S. actor Don Cheadle was nominated for an Oscar for his role as Rus Begina in the 2004 film. Um... So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he was also accused of supporting the National Liberation Front, or the FLN, which was seen as an armed wing of his opposition uh, political platform in the Rwandan uh, movement for democratic change in regards to um, Kagame. So... Yeah, definitely a crazy just situation of political, uh, I guess I want to say oppression, really. Um, but it's good to see that uh, Rusa Begina is out now. And, um, you know, hopefully he can get, you know, to his family and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but that's all I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for being a friend. And hopefully I see you soon for some more good news. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.